Good morning, Parkway Church. How y'all doing today? Good. I'm so glad you're here with us. Whether you're gathered at Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Online, or Parkway Victoria, welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Easter. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege today to tell you the best story ever told. Before I jump into today's talk, I got one thing to say. He is risen. What, what you don't know is that you just like accidentally stepped into a parkway tradition. Each and every Easter, I stand up here and I say, he is risen. And you do what? He is risen. Okay, but if you were at a real church today, what you would say after I said he is risen is you would say, he is risen indeed. Right? That's, what, that's how other people do it. That's how grown-ups do it. But it's a parkway tradition each and every year, and I love it. I don't know if you forget. I don't know if you're just sarcastically messing with me, but either way, I love it because he is risen. And that's why we're together today, and that's the story I get to tell you. And it's not just the story of a snapshot of Jesus' life. It's the entire story of Jesus that I hope to share with you in the next few moments. How many of y'all have been to a movie recently? I went and saw Breakthrough yesterday. It was a really good movie. I was so surprised. It was really good. Like, I cried. Or I just yawned real big and my eyes leaked. I'm not sure which. But it was an amazing movie. Before the movie, they were playing trailers for all the other movies that they hope that we'll go see. And sometimes when you watch a trailer, they tell you the whole story of the movie in that two-minute segment. All the funny parts are in that trailer. All the dramatic, poignant parts are in that trailer. You can tell there's nothing left in this movie besides that two-minute highlight reel. And I look at my family, I say, we're not going to see that movie. We've already seen the whole story on the screen in the trailer version. We're not even going to red box that movie because we've seen the whole story. Well, today I want to tell you the full story of Jesus. I don't want us as believers to have this trailer version of the story of Jesus, where there are bits and pieces of the story that we see, bits and pieces of the story that we know, bits and pieces of the story that we celebrate. But instead, I want to unfold for you where the story of Jesus begins and where it ends. I want to unfold for you the reason behind Easter and Jesus' coming. If we're not careful, we will look and see just the highlight reel of Jesus. We will see that he's born in Bethlehem, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus' birth, a miraculous virgin birth. We celebrate that the inn was full, but the stable was empty, and God's son was born in the most humble of circumstances. Then we see that Jesus was raised by Mary and Joseph. What if Jesus was raised by Mary and Joseph as your mom and dad would have raised you. What if Jesus was raised, and, and that tells us something about who he is? I mean, have you ever thought about why God didn't send us 30-year-old Jesus? Why did he send us baby Jesus? And by the way, baby Jesus is the only baby that we celebrate his birthday, but he has always lived. I mean, think about that. We celebrate his birthday, but we know that he was with God and is God even at creation. And he will come again as God. We celebrate his birth, but he was always alive. 
But what is it? Maybe Why didn't God send us superhero Jesus? 30-year-old Jesus where he just showed up on the scene and started doing what he does. There's a reason that God sent a baby, and there's a reason that Mary and Joseph raised him. Maybe you know some stories of Jesus' teaching. And Jesus taught in powerful ways. Was he just a good teacher who had a, hang, who had a, who had a handle on their language? Was he just a good teacher who could relate to people, and so he drew them in and the crowds followed him? The religious leaders of the day listened to Jesus teach, and they said, we've never heard anybody teach like this before. He teaches like one who has authority. Was there more going on than just that? How about the miracles where Jesus suspended the reality of the world that we live in and performed miracles? Whether that is the the storm calming or the Peter walking on water or the sick being healed, the lame able to walk, the blind being able to see. Like, what's going on with the miracles? Is this just some sort of street magician act to get people's attention? Or is there something going on here that we can learn from the story of Jesus, the full story of Jesus? Jesus at creation, Jesus at his birth, Jesus as he was raised, Jesus with the teaching, and Jesus with the miracles. And even the story of Jesus, it takes us from this God who came for us to the Savior who died for us. He was crucified. He died a horrible criminal's death on the cross. They nailed him to the cross with his wrists and through his ankles. And this death, like being crucified, like I, I think that just the sheer like force of a, a spear or a, or a stake going through my hand or my ankles, that would kill me. Like I think I would be done down for the count. But that's not what killed Jesus. What killed Jesus, he essentially drowned from the inside out. That's how crucifixion kills you. You can't breathe anymore, and so you drown from the inside out. And to prove that he was dead, they took a spear and they shoved it in his side. And blood and water ran together to prove that he was dead. He didn't faint. He didn't pass out. He wasn't pretending to be dead. He wasn't playing possum. He died on that cross. But then, on the third day, he rose again. And that's what we're here today to celebrate, because for three days, our hope, our Savior, our future laid in the tomb. But on that third day, he rose again from the dead. And he told us, and he tells his followers that he's coming again as the risen Lord and the the Savior of the world. And we should expect him to come just as he was raised from the dead. We have proof that he's coming again for you and for me. You see, this is the story of Jesus. And this is the story I want to unpack for you. It's the story that begins before the very beginning of time. And it's a story that will run through all of history. And it's a story where God stepped into history and gave us his son, it's a, God where, it's a story where God is going to come again, and he was and is and always will be the Lord God of the universe. This is the story of Jesus. We begin with the story of Jesus, and you can follow along in your Bible or in the outline we gave you on the way in. If you've got the Parkway app, you can follow along with that as well. From the very beginning of time, Jesus is. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this. For in him, that's Jesus, 
all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When I say Jesus is the one person that was born, we celebrate his birthday, but he's always been alive. That's what this passage is teaching us. That from the very beginning of time, when God spoke our world into existence, Jesus was with him. The very time that God spoke our world into existence, the Holy Spirit was with God and with Jesus. Because Jesus is not just a baby who was born. Jesus is God. And the Bible says here that he like put everything in place and he holds everything together. When I read that this is the Jesus that I love and the Jesus that I believe in, that he is God who created and he's the God who holds all things together. That's how I know I can trust him completely and depend upon him totally. Because he's the God who created all of this and he's working his plan and he's working as he will in my life, even today. And he's doing the very same thing for you. Lone Tree in Port Lavaca, do you believe that the God of the universe who spoke the world into creation is alive and at work in you? He is. He is. And Easter proves it. You know why Jesus was able to perform miracles that were not just street magic tricks? It's because he has authority over all creation. He's the one that created the wind and the waves. It's easy for him to say, stop, be stilled. He's the one that created the, the people in the world that we live in. So he has full charge, full authority over everything and everyone. This is the God who came for us as a baby and was born and was raised by Mary and Joseph. Get this. Why was Jesus raised by Mary and Joseph? We learn the answer to that question in John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Why was Jesus raised by Mary and Joseph instead of being born like superhero Jesus? Why did he have to live 30 years in relative silence? before he would step into his ministry at the age of 30. Why? Well, it's because he came to live among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's, it's like he came and he camped out among us. He pitched his tent among us. He lived with us, which means he faced every difficulty that you and I face, every frustration, every temptation, every trouble, every trial. Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry, Jesus knows what it's like to be tired. Jesus knows what it's like to be stressed. The only thing that you and I experience in life that he doesn't know what that feels like is our sinfulness. That's why the Bible says that, that God gave us a, a high priest, uh, gave us Jesus, who can sympathize with our weaknesses. But in all of our weaknesses, he showed his perfection. Friends, why didn't God give us a superhero Jesus? He didn't give us a superhero Jesus who showed up on the scene to teach and to, to perform miracles and die in a three-year span. He didn't give us that Jesus because we need the Jesus that can relate to us. 
And we need to know that no matter what we're going through, we can approach the throne of grace. That's God's throne. We can approach Jesus with confidence because he knows how hard life is here. And the other thing is when I approach him for approach the throne of grace with confidence, he gives me mercy and he gives me the ability to walk in power and to be different, to be changed. Because that word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He is full of grace and truth. The two things I need more, the two things I need more and more of in my life, grace and truth is what Jesus provides. Last question and we'll move on to why Jesus came. Have you ever wondered why and how Jesus was able to teach so much different or better than others? You say, Mike, I've been thinking about that since you asked that same question four minutes ago. What is it that made Jesus' teaching unique? Well, the Bible says very clearly, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The perfection of God was made fully known to man. And so when Jesus taught, he was pouring out the heart of God perfectly to the people in his day. He was laying out the truth of God in such a way that you and I would turn to him and believe in him and find life. Every word of Jesus, every word in the Bible can be fully trusted. Because the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The logic of God became flesh and made its dwelling among us. See, this wasn't just a baby born in Bethlehem. This was God taking on human flesh. And so when Jesus taught what, what made him special, what made him powerful, wasn't just that he was teaching with authority, but that he was teaching the very words of God. He was telling his story and his desire for men and women and children to do life with God. Why is Jesus' teaching different than any teaching you've ever read? Why is it more authoritative? Why is it the most important teaching that we deal with? It's because it was the very words of God, spoken by God himself to people that he loves and to people that he desires to have a relationship with. It's life-changing. So Jesus was born, he was raised, he taught, he performed miracles. He died and he rose again. Why in the world would he do all of this? He did all of this to give us life, eternal life with God, and to give us the full life as we believe in him and learn to follow him and obey him and depend upon him. Why would he do it? He would do it so that you and I would have the life that we never deserved. He would do it so that you and I would have the life that we could never earn. He would do it so that you and I could have the life that we desire to live honoring God. Jesus came, lived, and died to give us life. Listen to how he put it himself. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, that's Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some of your translations might say, I have come so that they can have life and life abundantly. Do you see the two offers of life that Jesus makes to the world? He says, I offer you eternal life. That's life forever with God. And I offer you the abundant life, the full life that God offers. See, this is why Jesus came. This is what Easter 
is all about. And Jesus, he gave us an illustration of his power. And he gave us a teaching of his power through the story of Mary and Martha and their brother brother Lazarus. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were friends of Jesus, close friends of Jesus. They did ministry and life together at a real deep level. And yet, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he didn't rush off to come and to heal his friend. In fact, he delayed on purpose. After Lazarus died and word came to Jesus, he went to the grave of his friend. And as he was on his way, Martha stopped him. And she said, why are you so late? That's my version. What she essentially said is, if you had been here on time, you could have healed him. Why are you so late? And Jesus was going to teach her and teach us something bigger than just being on time and being punctual in his schedule. Jesus said to her, John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So he asked Martha, do you believe that there is life after death? Do you believe that there is eternity that you can live with God? And most importantly, do you believe that I am? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Martha, do you believe this? That's the most important question you can answer. Because Jesus makes a promise. If you believe that Jesus is the Savior who was sent to a sinful world, that's me and you then even though you die, you will live forever. You may pass from earth, but you will never pass from eternity because you are with God. That's a promise. As you gather today, if you don't know how you would answer that question personally, listen in, lean in, and answer it today. Who do you believe Jesus is? Because this guy not only made a promise, you you will die here, but you will live with me forever. Even though you die, you will never pass. He also made a prediction. He made a promise, and then he called his shot. He made a prediction. Listen how Jesus predicted life would go for him. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day, be raised to life. So Jesus said, my promise is for everybody. If you believe, though you die, you will live. And when you live with me, you'll have the abundant life, the full life, because it's my life that you're living. And he says, here's how I'm going to deliver on that promise. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The chief priests, the rulers of the day, the religious folk, they're going to kill me. They're going to mistreat me. They're going to harm me, though I am innocent. And on the third day, I'm going to be raised again from the dead. He made a promise, and then he made a prediction. He showed us how it would happen. Would we believe that he is the resurrection and the life? He showed us this is what's going to happen. When Lazarus was dead, and Martha was frustrated, 
And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, they will live even though they die. He proved that he's God, and he proved the truth that he is the life by calling into the grave and saying, Lazarus, come forth. That's King James Version for you. One of the disciples looked and said, don't call him. He's been dead for three days. Surely he stinketh. These were practical problems they were facing right here. But Jesus called and said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come to life. And Lazarus came to life. They took his dead clothes off of him, his grave clothes off of him. And Lazarus lived before their very eyes to prove that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And then that prediction Jesus made, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They will mistreat me and I will be crucified. But on the third day, I will rise again. That is the ultimate proof that Jesus is who he says he is. That's the ultimate proof that he is the one who has and gives life to all who would believe. He said he would go to Jerusalem. And that's what he did on Sunday of Easter week. He rode into Jerusalem and the people praised him and called out to him, thinking he was going to be their political leader, not realizing he was going to be their savior who died. They cried out to him. Then on Monday, he entered the temples and when he saw the money changers mistreating and taking advantage of people, he turned over the tables and he said, my house won't be a, a den of robbers. My house will be a house of prayer. Then on Tuesday of Easter week, he taught some of his most challenging direct teaching ever that put it crystal clear to everyone. This isn't just a miracle worker. This isn't just a healer. This isn't just a magician. This isn't just a teacher. This isn't just a good man. This is God in our midst. And that tough teaching, the religious leaders of his day, they started conspiring. How can this man claim to be God? On Wednesday... There was silence. I believe Jesus spent time preparing for what would come on Thursday and what would come on Friday. I believe he retreated and drew close to God because of what was coming. On Thursday evening, Jesus gathered with his followers and they shared a Passover meal. And while they were sharing this traditional Jewish meal, Jesus took some bread and he took some wine and he gave this tradition a new meaning. He made a new covenant with the people. He said, this bread is my body that will be broken for you. This, and this cup is my blood that will be shed for you. He was foreshadowing what would happen just in the next day. After they shared Passover, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus was arrested. As Jesus was arrested and tried. It was a kangaroo court. No, nobody could find anything wrong that he actually did because he's innocent. He's God. And yet they kept passing the buck and saying, well, if, if he dies, blood's on your hands, not on mine. I'm washing my hands clean of this, right? So on Friday morning, between two thieves, Jesus was hung on the cross. And he died. And when he died, they laid him in a rich man's tomb. It was a borrowed tomb because that's how the Bible said it would go. And on Friday night, he was in that tomb. And on Saturday, he was in that tomb. At daybreak on Sunday, that tomb was empty. 
Because he is alive. You need proof that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You look at the empty tomb. The government tried to stop the, 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 even the opportunity for the tomb to be empty. They put a big stone in place. They put guards in place. They put a seal on it. But you can't stop the power and the plan of God because Jesus is alive. Friends, he is the one that offers life. And he is the one that gives the full and abundant life to those who believe and then follow him with all of their lives. For some of you, you need to decide what do you believe about Jesus? Jesus' followers were gathered together after he was raised again. And he showed up in their midst. Can you imagine seeing Jesus walk through the door? He didn't open the door. He just walked through the door. He said, peace, be still. It's me. Everybody was with him except for this guy named Thomas. I don't know if Thomas was out picking up Sonic for his friends or what he was up to. But Thomas wasn't there. And so when everybody else was celebrating, Thomas was wondering. And he said, I'm not going to believe until I can see where the nails went in his hands and I can touch where the spear went in his side. I'm not going to believe until I can see. One week later, Jesus appeared again to his followers. You see, this wasn't a one-time appearance on a one-day experience so that we could like, make up a fictitious plan. Jesus appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people over a period of time. And the second time he came to his followers, Thomas was there. And Jesus came to him and said, see where the stake went through my hand? See where the spear, go ahead and touch where the spear went in my side, Thomas. And then he looked at Thomas and he said, stop doubting and believe. And then he gave Thomas these words as he believed. John 20, verse 29. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What Jesus says there is the best news that any of us could hear. Because when we read the Bible and hear the story of Jesus, and we believe the message of Christ, we have every blessing that Thomas had in that room, the one who got to see the hands and touch the side. You are blessed by God the moment that you believe in Christ for life. And these are blessings that no man, no woman, no circumstance can take away. They are guarded by God in heaven. You have life forever with God. You have a new life here on earth because of what Jesus has done for you. You have life that no man, no woman, no child, no circumstance, no situation can take away from you. And you have the opportunity to live the full and abundant life that God desires for you. Not living based on your power, not living based on your ability, but living on your faith and living on the power of the empty tomb. Because the one who raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you. The one who raised Jesus from the dead offers you life and offers you the abundant life as you live with him. He is alive. So the question of the day, what do you believe about Jesus? Believer, do you trust that Jesus is the one who was before all things, is in all things, and holds all things together? Will you trust him and depend upon him? Because he's not just a baby born. He's God who's in charge. 
Believer, will you see God's word not as suggestions for your life, but as the best commands and the best words of life that you could ever read, the best words of life that you could ever live? Believer in Jesus, will you see the full story of Christ that says, that empty tomb, that empty tomb is my story. That empty tomb is my song. I am Jesus' kid because he rose again. If you're not a believer yet, what are you waiting on? Jesus pursued Thomas and Thomas believed. I believe right now at every location, God is pursuing us. And if you've never believed, what are you waiting for? The Bible says you're a sinner who needs a Savior, and we see the perfect Savior, the only Savior, Jesus. And he is alive. That's the story of Jesus, friends. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open our Bibles and to hear the story and to learn about your son, Jesus. God, I pray now that you would help us to take our next step with you. Church family, maybe you need to pray, God, help me trust you more because you're the one that's in charge. Church family, you need to pray, maybe help me obey you more because your words are life and your words are what I need, God. Church family, you need to pray. Maybe you say, God, here's an area in my life that I, I can't do it, but I trust that you can. And I put my faith in you. Church, as you pray, for those that aren't believers yet, if today's your day to believe, let's mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.